0: Heavenly Father, we pray that you would direct us now in the path of your commands. We pray that it would be for us, as we look at your word, that we are finding great treasure, that your word would be more precious to us than gold and silver, that your commands, the instructions you have given us, would be our delight more than anything else in this world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've been working our way through John's Gospel together and we've been in John 8 for some time now as we've been looking at the words of Jesus as he's been telling the Jews that they should trust in him, that they should trust him as the Son of God, that he is one who has come from heaven and his word is reliable and true, and that the Father, God the Father himself, certifies that Jesus' words should be adhered to. And so some people at the end of the passage that we looked at last week are said to have put their faith in him. Look with me at verse 30 of John chapter 8. John chapter 8 verse 30, we read, "...even as he," that's Jesus, "...spoke, many put their faith in him." And so this morning we pick up at verse 31 where some people have started to trust in Jesus and Jesus now has a word for those people who are claiming to have faith in Jesus. What does he say to these people who believe in him? Well, we read in verse 31 and 32, he says, "'To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, "'If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. "'Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free.'" Jesus understands that people can profess faith in him, but there is false faith as well as true faith. There are people who truly believe, who have genuine faith, and then there are people who have a fake faith, a false faith. And he wants the people who have professed faith in him to understand what it means to truly have faith in him, to be a true disciple. And what does he have to say to them? Well, he says in verse 31, if you hold to my teaching, if you remain in my teaching, if you stay in my teaching, you are really my disciples. You are a true believer if you hold to my teaching, if you continue on in what you have professed you believe in. And if you do so, he says in verse 32, then you will know the truth. And if you've done that, if you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. So you hold to Jesus' teaching. If you hold to Jesus' teaching, you're one of his disciples. If you're one of his disciples, then that means you know the truth. And if you know the truth, then you are set free. So there's this chain in verses 31 and 32 of four different things that follow on from one another that show whether you really have genuine faith. But it's interesting, when Jesus says this to the Jews, some of the people there obviously have a problem with his words. And it's the final result that they have a problem with. Jesus proclaimed to them that you need to be my disciples, you need to hold my teaching, then you are my disciples, then you know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. And it's this last point that they have an issue with. And we see that in verse 33. Look at verse 33 with me of John chapter 8. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? They have an issue with Jesus' words. Is it about his teaching? Is it about knowing the truth? No, it's about the fact that Jesus says they need to be set free. And they say, we're not slaves. We don't need to be set free. This is insulting for you to say to us. But Jesus points them back to their sin to show that they are indeed slaves. They say, we um, how can you say that we shall be set free? And then verse 34, what does Jesus say to them? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Jesus says, you think you're you're not slaves, that you're free? Well, just look at your lives. If you sin, you are a slave to sin. Now, this is quite confronting because we recognize that everybody sins. But the idea here, the the Greek is very clear here when it says that if you sin, it's a continuous action that's going on. It's a continued practice of sinning, a lifestyle of sin where you are unrepentant, where you don't really care about the sin and you just keep on doing it. It's an ongoing lifestyle of sin. And if you have that, Jesus says you're a slave to sin. You say you're free, but you're actually a slave to sin if you do that. And kindly, Jesus goes on to talk about again the fact that he can give freedom to those who are enslaved to sin. In verse 35, after he said you were a slave to sin, he says to the Jews, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus says you're a slave to sin, but there's a solution. As I said before, you can be made free. And who can make you free? It's the son. If there's anyone in a household who can set someone free, it is the son, the person who is a ruler within the home, particularly if he's a firstborn son, he will inherit all things. And so if he wants to set a slave free, he can do so. And what do the Jews do in response to Jesus' proclamation that he can set them free? Well, they keep on having an issue with the fact that he is calling them slaves. What do we see they say in verse 39? Abraham is our father, they answered. They're saying, our father, Abraham, he was a free man, And so we are naturally free as well. We're not slaves. How dare you say this? What does Jesus do? Well, he continues to point out their sin to them, to show that they aren't free, that they are indeed slaves. Verse 39 continues, "'If you were Abraham's children,' said Jesus, "'then you would do the things Abraham did.'" In other words, you wouldn't sin. "'As it is, you are determined to kill me, "'a man who has told you the truth.'" ...that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. If you're such a free person, then and you're in the footsteps of Abraham, why are you sinning? You, verse 41, are doing the things your own father does. And then they go on to say, we're not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. These Jews are adamant that they are not slaves, that they are free people. And even though Jesus keeps pointing out their sin to them, and that indicates that they're slaves to sin... They just don't get it. And Christ's message of freedom it still applies to us today. That This is not just a discussion that is for abstract people in the past and, and we don't have any bearing on it. Christ still proclaims freedom to people today. And people still find it offensive, just as people found it offensive in Christ's days when he was on earth. Why is it that people take umbrage that they're so offended by the idea that they need to be set free? Well, because it indicates that they are enslaved. No one likes to be told that they need to be set free because that implies then that they're a slave. And we hate the idea that someone has ownership of us, that we are not free people. Is there anything more offensive to being told that we are complete and utter slaves? We do it from time to time as we think that someone thinks that we're actually their slave. We like to remind them that we're not. Spouses tell one another, I'm not your slave. The husband says to the wife, I'm not your slave. And the wife says to the husband, I'm not your slave. Parents tell their children, I'm not your slave. You can tidy your own room. Thank you very much. Who do you think I am? I'm not your slave. And then children can say the same back to their parents. We tell the 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 child to do something and they say, I'm not your slave, I'm your son or your daughter. I don't have to do what you say. And employees, they don't like the idea that they're enslaved to the boss, that they have to do whatever the boss says. They like to remind themselves that they're only there for the money. That's the only reason I'm here at this job. And I can quit any time, which shows that I can get freedom at any time, which means that I'm not a slave to my employer Some people even try to be self-employed for this reason. They don't like answering to a boss. So the solution is, I'll be my own master, not be a slave to anyone, because I'm the person that's in charge in the workplace. And the customers that I need money from, they have some control of me, but ultimately I'm the boss. And as citizens of this country, here in Australia, we like to think that we're not slaves to the government, that the government can't order us around, that they can't tell us what to do. And so sometimes I think that the reason people like to grumble against politicians is just to show that the politicians ultimately do not have any power over them, that they can resist those in positions of power. Where does this idea of freedom come from that is innate here in the Jews but is also innate in us today? Well, like the Jews, we like to point back to our family heritage to show that we're not slaves. We recognize that there are people who can be enslaved around the world. It is a shocking thing that parts of the world that there are people enslaved. But we point back to our parents and say, look, my parents were free people. Therefore, what does that make me? I'm a free person too. And that's what the Jews were saying. We're children of Abraham. He was a free person. And we are free people as well. And like the Jews, we may even point to our nation to show that we're free. We like to think of Australia as a free country, that we are a people of freedom here, that slavery is outlawed in this land. And so we as citizens are free because we're part of a free country, and that has been our heritage. We've always had a free country here in Australia, except for the convicts who came over from England. They weren't so free. But we are free. We live in a free country And I think we also like the idea of freedom because we see that in our experience. We like to look at our own strength and our own intellect and resist those who would assert some sort of slavery over us. And we think that, no, I am a free person. And and there's a rebellious spirit within us that we see from the Garden of Eden that people have always resisted against authority figures. But Jesus reminds us, just as he reminded the Jews so many years ago, that we are slaves as well, that if we habitually sin, then we are all slaves to sin if we continue in a sinful lifestyle with no repentance, if we continue in our sin. Jesus asks us, if you're such a free spirit, why do you keep on sinning? Why do you know what is the right thing to do, but then you keep on doing what is wrong and you don't seem to care? That indicates that you are a slave. If you know that lying is wrong and yet you continue to lie, doesn't that show that you are a slave to lying or to anger or to adultery or to theft? As we see these sins in our lives and we know that they're wrong, but we continue to do them without repentance, we show that we are slaves to sin. Now, is anyone here this morning audacious enough to say that like the Jews, they're a free spirit in spite of slavery to sin? As you look at your life and you recognise that you do sin and you sin habitually, are you going to say, I'm not a slave of anyone, I'm still a free person? Well, if that is you, you know you sin, you know you don't want to break out of it, and yet you still say, I'm a free person, Jesus has nothing to offer me, then I have nothing to offer you this morning. I may as well preach to a brick wall. If you are so audacious to say, I'm not a slave, yet you know that you live a sinful lifestyle, that you're a rebel against God, then there is nothing more I can say to you. If you can't see the truth about your sin and about Jesus as the one who sets you free from sin, then you can't be set free. What is the chain that is given by Jesus in verse 31 to 32? He says, if you hold to my teaching, then you are my disciples, and if you are my disciples, you know the truth, and if you know the truth, then you are set free. If you can't see that you need to be set free, then you don't know the truth, then you're not one of Jesus' disciples, and you do not hold to his teaching. But if you are here this morning and you recognise that you are a slave to sin, that you regularly sin and have no problems with it, and yet you want to be set free, you want to be set free from slavery to sin, you want to be set free from the guilt that you feel about your sin, you want to be set free from the punishment that you know God will one day pour out upon you because of your sin, then I encourage you to listen to words of Jesus today and be set free. If you trust in Jesus Christ this morning and hold to his teachings, then you will know the truth about your sin and about Jesus. And if you know the truth about sin and about Jesus, then you will be set free. Jesus actually releases you from your sinful lifestyle, he releases you from the guilt of your sin. You will no longer be punished for sin because he was punished in your place at the cross. And you can actually resist sinful temptations. You can turn from your sin, which is what repentance is, and actually do right rather than wrong. You can actually accomplish your New Year's resolutions. You can accomplish the resolutions you make each day because Christ invigorates you because you know the truth now and he sets you free. He is the Son. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So I encourage you this morning, if you are sitting here and you know you have a sinful lifestyle and are unrepentant of your sin and you want to do something about it, come to Jesus now. Trust in him and hold to his teaching. But for those of us who profess to be Christians and we're here this morning, we profess to be believers as people did in the days of Jesus. In verse 30 there it says, Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. There are many of us in this room that profess faith in Jesus Christ. This passage can be a wake-up call for you too. We like wake-up calls from time to time. If we need someone to wake us up, and we usually have alarm clocks to do it these days, to awaken us to the fact that something needs to be done. I've got a new alarm clock now at the moment, which I'm testing, which doesn't make a horrible noise when you need to wake up. It actually turns on a light very dimly at first, and then gradually gets brighter over a half-hour period. And so gradually light is meant to be like a sunrise happening in the room. And I quite like it. Rather than some annoying noise going off that makes you hit at the the, um, the alarm, instead you have this light that is slowly dawning in the room, which gradually awakens you to the fact that you need to get up and do something. And that is what Jesus is doing this morning. To people who profess faith in Jesus is shining his light forth to some who need to experience the true light that Jesus gives. We claim as believers in Jesus Christ to have the light, but many people have false faith and do not actually believe, and they need Jesus to shine the light on them and to ask, are you actually a false believer? Everyone in this room this morning should ask themselves, am I actually a false believer? Do I really know Jesus Christ? How can you know if you're really a genuine believer in Jesus Christ? Well, look at your sin. Is your sin habitual? Is your sin a lifestyle and you don't have any problems with it? If that is true, even though you profess faith in Christ, it indicates that you don't have true faith in Jesus Christ. You haven't been set free And you don't know the truth, and you're not a disciple of Jesus. We need to examine our lives, even if we profess faith in Jesus. It's wonderful, yes, to say, I believe in Jesus. We need to look and see, is that a genuine belief that we have? And our sin is a very good way to see whether we have genuine faith. We need to be reminded again by Jesus that we need to hold to his teaching so that we know the truth and so that we're set free from sin. That's what he says. To those who believe, what does he say firstly to them? Verse 31, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. You're a true believer. Then you know the truth and the truth will set you free that's what we need to be reminded of this morning, if we are professors of faith in Jesus this morning, is that we need to hold to his teaching. What does he mean when he says there, hold to my teaching? Well, the word there actually can be translated as abide, or remain, or continue. That's the translation in the ESV, the English translation. Uh, it has abide there, and in the Holman, it says continue in. And so there's this idea of living with Jesus' teaching. That's what it means to abide. It's an old word, but the idea of dwelling, of living with Jesus' teaching. And that's what we as Christians need to do. Further on in verse 37, the same idea comes up. What does he say in verse 37? I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. Which means if you are one of his disciples, you have room. You have a place for his word in your life. You live with Jesus and his teaching. If we are Christ's disciples, then we live with Jesus. We live with his teaching because his teaching is all about himself, that he is the light of the world, that he is the, the true bread that comes down from heaven. His teaching pushes us to know him and to live with him. He is the word incarnate. He is the teaching of God Incarnate, come in flesh. So what does it mean to live with Jesus? What does it mean to live with his teaching? Well, the idea of living with something means frequent daily contact. If you live with something, then you have regular daily contact with that thing. In this world we have many we have contact with many things and many different people. But then there are particular things and particular people that we have regular, frequent contact with. And what are those those things usually? The things that we actually live with. Like what? Well, people. there are people that you have contact with out in the world, and then there's people that are in your home that you abide with, that you dwell with, that you live with. and so you have regular contact with them. Whether they be family members or housemates that you've invited to live with you in your home, they are the people that you live with and you have regular contact with them. or it may be pets. We've just acquired our first pet. Uh, for the children's sake, more so than the parents' sake, uh, we've got a budgerigar. We're starting off small. Uh, and is this pet lives in the backyard, but still you'd say lives with us and particularly lives with my son Joshua. Joshua goes out and sees uh, the pet very regularly, he goes out and talks to Bobby the budgie uh, on a regular basis. This budgerigar lives with us. What does that mean? Regular, frequent Contact. Also the things in our homes or the house itself. If you live in a house, what does that mean? You have regular contact with that house. And the furniture within the house, if you live with that furniture, you have regular contact with it, whether it be a fridge or whether it be a couch or whether it be a bed or a wardrobe. Those are the things that you live with so you have regular contact with them. And we have voices that we live with, that we invite into our home. Whether it be television sets, television programs that are particularly on, maybe a daily program that you regularly listen to, you live with that voice as it comes into your home. Or a newspaper. If you get a daily newspaper, that voice keeps on coming into your home and you are said to live with those voices that are coming into your home. And social media, Facebook and Twitter and whatever else it may be that you follow, those are voices that you live with as you invite them into your home. And the toys that you have for your hobbies... Those are things you live with, which means you have regular contact with them. So if we're disciples of Jesus and we're told to live with him, that means we're meant to have frequent daily contact, just like the many things in your home, the many people in your home, you have regular contact with. And actually, over a lifetime, if we're disciples of Jesus, we should live with Jesus more than we live with anything or anything else that we live with. Why do I say that? Why is Jesus the one that you live with more than anyone else? Well, because other things come and go, but Jesus doesn't if you're a true disciple of him. The houses we live in change. I counted up this week how many houses I've lived in as a child that I can actually remember. I've come up with six. Six different houses I've lived in as a child and then as an adult over that time, I've lived with those houses, but I don't live with all of them always. And it's the same with furniture. Furniture changes over time. I've been married for 13 years now. And over that time, many of the things that we bought when we first got married, pieces of furniture, they've gone. The fridge went last year. After 12 years, it um, was time to replace Couches went last year as well. Once we got over the 10-year mark, I started realising how many things that we owned when we first got married are still around us, that we still live with. And our dining chairs are starting to go on the way out. I think we'll have to replace them soon. Uh, We had chair covers for them so that uh, children wouldn't... toddlers wouldn't make too much of a mess on them and so that the the pristine beauty of them would be uh, kept there. And now we're starting to realise that the padding's going... And we've never actually seen the chairs in all their glory, so we may as well whip off the covers and let children make a mess on them, And, uh, and because if they're going to go soon anyway. But we recognise that these chairs that we live with, that we sit on regularly, they won't always live with us. And it's the same with different voices in our homes. I started with no television growing up, which may explain my love for books. No television whatsoever in the home. Then I got free-to-air once I was a teenager and allowed to make decisions for myself. My parents allowed me to have a free-to-air TV. Then I subscribed to Foxtel, still while living in my parents' house, and so caught up on years of MASH and Hogan's Heroes and things that I missed as a child, and I just consumed large quantities of television. And then I dropped the Foxtel, and these days I'm not even connected to -to free-to-air. It's been a couple of years since we unplugged the antenna, and we just don't watch television. And these voices, they come and go. Regular voices at one time that I lived with, but now no longer. And hobbies come and go. I used to collect stamps. And I thought, why am I collecting sticky bits of paper? Um, They cost large amounts of money, depending on how rare they actually are. They come and they go. I don't have any of my stamps anymore. I used to play video games. A lot of those have gone. And you may have a sport that you live with that you love to engage in, but your body goes over time and you can no longer live with that sport. And pets come and go, sad to say, unless you buy a tortoise, which no one really knows how long they live for, generally speaking, because they usually outlive the humans, so you can't actually tell how long the tortoise has been alive for unless you pass on the information from one generation to the next. And then people that you live with, they come and go. When I arrived in this world, I lived with my parents and two sisters. Then it was my parents and one sister, And parents and no sisters, they moved out, and then it was just Jill. I left my parents, moved in with Jill, and I got married to her. And then it was just Jill for a time, then it was Jill and Joshua that I lived with. Parents long gone now, Jill and Joshua, then it's Jill, Joshua and Philippa that I live with at the moment. One day I expect that Joshua and Philippa will move out, all things go well, and I'll just live with Jill. And then it may be that one day I'm back to being alone. I'm back on my own. Jill may pass away before me. And I no longer live with my wife. Things come and go. Houses, furniture, voices, people come and go. But if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, he comes and never goes. He remains always in your life. You live with him now and always. Jesus is not like a piece of furniture or a favourite TV show or a hobby that we get bored with and we move on from. Jesus is not a housemate or a family member that when he offends you or does something you don't like, you kick out of the home and say, I'm not living with you anymore. Jesus is not like that. If we truly welcome Jesus Christ, he is here to stay Christ is a lifelong and constant companion who you live with, whether you be busy or relaxing, whether you be here or there, whether you be surrounded by people or alone. Jesus continues to live with you if you are a true disciple. Jesus is always with us. It's an eternal relationship we've begun with Jesus, not just for this world, but also for the world to come. Do you realize that if you live with Jesus now, you will live with him for eternity? If you don't get that, if you don't get that Jesus is a constant companion now and always, then you're not a Christian. You can't actually be a Christian and think, I can live with Jesus today, tomorrow I may not. In a week's time, I might take him back into the house again. No, Jesus lives with you. He abides with you. He dwells with you if you are one of his Disciples, if you are truly his disciple. There are many vain things in this world. The things that we surround us with, the toys, they come and go. But Christ always abides with his true disciples. And so if we are a true disciple, we cry with that hymnist Light who wrote the song, Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. What does he say? Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me, abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay In all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. That is the cry of the true disciple. He knows that the things around him decay. They change, but there is one who does not change, and that is Jesus Christ. His teaching is always true. It is teaching that we live with because it points us to the one that we always live with. Jesus Christ himself. And so I want you to look at your life this morning and ask yourself, do you live with Jesus? Do you live with him? You know what it is to live with things. I've told you, live with houses, live with furniture, live with people. Do you live with Jesus? Honestly, do you live with him? Frequent daily contact. That's what we have with those things that we live with. Do you have that with Jesus? Do you live with him? Or is Jesus more like a next-door neighbour who you may see today or you may not? Or you may actually go a week without seeing if you get in and out of your car quickly enough in the front yard and you don't bump into them. Is that your relationship with Jesus? Or is it that Jesus is like an acquaintance in the city? And so sometimes you might bump into him when you're down at the shops or somewhere else But there can be months where you never actually see the person at all. Or is Jesus more like a Facebook friend? I put that in inverted commas. Who you really only have contact with on their birthday. When it comes up in your feed that that person's birthday is there and so you say happy birthday. And that's the limit of your contact with Jesus Christ for the year. And there's some people who profess faith in Jesus Christ and that is actually true for them. When's Jesus' birthday? Christmas Day. When do they have contact with Jesus? They go to church on Christmas Day. And that's it for the rest of the year. They do their dash for the year. They put in on part of their public holiday. They're very generous. They give up part of their Christmas Day and go and have contact with Jesus. And that's it for the rest of the year. Would you say such people live abide, dwell with Jesus? They profess faith in Jesus. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Do they live with him? Clear they don't. A true disciple lives with Jesus. Do you live with Jesus? If the answer is yes, that is wonderful. Because what does that mean? Well, it means the chain of things in verses 31 and 32 apply to you. What are those things? If you Live with my teaching, verse 31. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you're really his disciples, then what does that mean? Then you will know the truth. And if you know the truth, you will be set free. You're set free from your sin, set free from the penalty for sin, set free from the temptation of sin. If you hold to his teaching, if you dwell with his teaching, if you live with Jesus. If you find yourself even now reflecting on the fact that you do not live with Jesus, be afraid of the consequences of that fact and come to him now and start to live with him as you've never lived with him before. Let's come to him in prayer now. Let's speak to our God. Heavenly Father, we praise you as one who does know the truth. You know the truth about our sin, and you know the truth about the Saviour from sin, the one who can set us free from slavery to sin. We thank you that you have revealed that truth to us. Even this morning as we've looked at it in John's Gospel, we have seen the truth about sin and about the Saviour. Oh Lord, we thank you that you have freed many of us by granting us the faith that we need and helping us to live with Christ. Lord, we pray that you would continue to help us to hold to Christ's teaching, abiding with him so that we are truly his disciples, so that we are dwelling with him, knowing the truth, and know that we have been set free from your wrath that comes upon those who sin, and we've been set free to live a life of righteousness in your name. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.